morning and welcome to AC23. I'm your host, Pam Bordelon, and joining me this morning are two very special guests, Jason Anderson, who is the CEO of Baton Rouge Gallery Center for Contemporary Art, and Malika Favorite, who is an artist member. And they are here to talk about a very special exhibit that's going up this month uh, over at the gallery. It is commemorating the 60th anniversary of the Baton Rouge Swim-In Good morning, guys. Welcome. Good morning. morning. Thank you for having us. So, Jason, this is like the biggest undertaking I think the gallery's ever done. So, tell us a little bit about the history of this. Yeah, this is certainly a a beast. It is literally years in the making. Uh, It is the product of partnership between Baton Rouge Gallery, uh, Dialogue on Race Louisiana, BRAC, as well as many other individuals and organizations that have had a hand in making this possible, East Baton Rouge Parish Library among them. Um, but it is, it is a project that has been really exciting for us to try and tackle. It has been a sobering one. Um, so the, the history, the, the, for lack of a better word, the backstory is, uh, that the building that Baton Rouge Gallery is in and has been in since 1984 was originally built in the mid twenties as a pool house for Mm -hmm. this massive 20,000 square foot public pool that used to be. Uh, inside of City Park. And I, and perhaps public is not the best word to use because the reality is that, at, like most pools of that time, municipal pools, uh, it was a segregated pool. It was mm-hmm. only available to white residents uh, in the area, um, even though tax dollars came from all communities sure. within our, our area. Um, so in 1963, on July 23rd, 1963, a group of black activists approached the pool uh, to stage a swim-in demonstration uh, they were met by law enforcement and prevented from getting into the water. Uh, it led to the jailing of five individuals who were part of the group. Um, and, and that instance, like we saw in pools and, and parks throughout the country, uh, that demonstration, along with court rulings and things of that nature, helped end the, the uh, legality of the segregation uh, and ultimately led to the closure of the pool in 1964. Um, so what we're doing, being mindful of the idea that when Baton Rouge Gallery needed a home, that space may not have been available to the gallery if it weren't for the the efforts of those activists. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to take a moment in line with that 60th anniversary um, and lift up, not only lift up the individuals that were involved and, and lift up a piece of Baton Rouge history that a lot of folks don't know about, yeah. but also start a conversation about where we are 60 years later. What What is it? What is the legacy of of segregated pools, for example, or um, or what what other ramifications of that might exist? So, hopefully, through contemporary art uh, as well as the presentation of historical imagery, um, we can have that conversation at the gallery. Okay. Well, you know, um, Arts Council CEO Renee Chatelaine just did the Faded Line, which was Absolutely. commemorating the bus boycott, which is another. And it's the it's the seventieth. Yeah, it's the seventieth anniversary of that. that. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Baton Rouge, while a lot of people may not think, when you think civil rights, that doesn't necessarily come to mind that Baton Rouge was, but it, it was a pivotal. There were pivotal things that took place here. No question. In the civil rights movement. So, um, what, but there was a call put out to just Louisiana artists or no, just we, your artist members? Or we, so, well, it started, it started out as a conversation, um, Really, over lunch with Maxine Crump of Dialogue on Race, uh, we had we had just finished up a, a different partnership, um, and over lunch started talking about other ideas for how Baton Rouge Gallery and Dialogue could could work together. 
Um, and I kind of brought up the idea that, you know, or, or the, the hope that we'd long talked about internally of, of uh, acknowledging the history of the building we exist in or have mm. existed in for going up on 40 years now. Um, and, and immediately her eyes lit up, got really excited about it. And that kind of spurred things on, um, fast forward to 2022, uh, and we actually started working with a curator named Janelle Logan, who was the vice president and creative director at the McCall Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, this, this show is, uh, part of a, uh, a broadening, if you will, of the galleries where, our primary focus is and will always be local artists and Louisiana-based artists. But here and there, we like to bring in artists from outside of the area to try and uh, kind of expand the context and expand the conversation that's happening around contemporary art in our city. Um, what, what presented a unique opportunity here is that we're kind of talking about this event that happened here in Baton Rouge, um, but also giving space for artists outside of Baton Rouge to speak to it um, in part because what happened here with the swimmen happened everywhere. Yeah. Literally, when, when we approached Janelle Logan about uh, potentially being the curator for this show, we included information about swimmen's and demonstrations that happened in her area, in her mm -hmm. city. Um, and it wasn't hard to find because that this was just a, a national truth. It wasn't a Louisiana truth. No. It wasn't a southern U.S. truth. It, it happened everywhere. Um and and we really put the show in Janelle's hands. She was our curator. She was the one who uh, put things together, though we were certainly in plenty of conversation with her and, and spoke about the importance of striking a balance between Louisiana-based artists and Baton Rouge artists, as well as bringing artists from outside of the area. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, Malika, how, how important... Or or what are your thoughts about being able to participate in something like this? Okay, it's, it's just really big for me because, you know, being a product of the 60s, 70s, I wasn't here in Baton Rouge when that happened. I was, I was much younger. But uh, I attended a segregated school, and then I went to a white school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember, you know, I have very vivid memories of what that was like. And the fact that... This is just history all over the country, mm -hmm. an unfortunate history. But uh, I feel that it's just so important that we, as the gallery, draw attention to this. Because, you know, it's one thing to have the, the covered pool behind us, and most young people have no idea yeah. what this was or why it was. And they, don't, they may know that it was a pool once, but they don't know the reason why the pool is no longer there. So I think it's just very important for me to see history being discussed, talked about, and brought to light. Because you can so easily lose history yes, you can. if you don't talk about it. And we see that all the time in our present culture. I mean, things are, it's just weird. And you think, how can this be? How can people think this way? But history is being erased and changed. And so it's our duty as this generation, my generation, to make sure that we make clear what happened and remind people this happened mm -hmm. so that people, young people will not grow up ignorant of the facts. Yeah. You know, I can't, don't know who said it, but you know, it's the, it's so true that if, people that do not know history you're doomed to repeat it so mm -hmm. it, you have you have to know where where you come from what happened before you got here 
so that you don't repeat those mistakes. True. Well, and to that to that end, I think a lot of times we talk about the stories of this era of of a swim in or of integrating schools, and we think automatically, you know, our our mind goes to black and white pictures, and we think that it was so long ago, um, and and obviously that is not the case in actuality, and we are lucky that that is not the case in the sense that the folks who uh, whose bravery made those things possible are still here to tell those stories. Um, I know around the, the, and we went exhibition, uh, one of the stories that we leaned on a lot in, in kind of the internal planning was that of Deborah George, who is the daughter of Pearl George, one of those who Mm -hmm. was, um, jailed following the swimmen. Um, and to hear her, you know, personally tell her story of, of not only being at the swimmen herself, but being pushed by a law enforcement officer, uh, what it was like to not have her mother for six months following the demonstration, things like that. Um, there is a power that comes with hearing it directly from people who were yeah. there and were involved. Um, I know hearing Malika tell her story over the years has been incredibly powerful as well. So it is it is incumbent upon us, as Malika said, to um, have those stories told and and do what we can to make sure that people hear them. Yeah. There's there's nothing like firsthand, right? Firsthand stories. Yeah. You can't say somebody told me this. Right. It's I, I saw this. It mm-hmm. was this was me. That has a lot more of an impact. Yep. So um, I know you've got a lot of. Um, so t- I know Malika's got works. You you have something in the in right. the exhibit. I have three three pieces in the show. Okay. Can and you tell us a little bit about them. Okay. Well, I two pieces are. Older pieces mm-hmm. that relate to the theme of the show. Okay. One piece is uh, it's fifty parts. Uh, it's fifty eight by ten paintings, and it's based on the poem "We Wear the Mask" by Paul Austin. And um, I, and the whole idea is that we are always trying to cover up and hide from what we, who we are, or what we are. And uh, so the piece just speaks to all the different ways, not just black people, but most people. You know, it's like you, you put on a mask and you become someone else mm-hmm. to accommodate the circumstances. And black black people for a long time have had to do that so much. And so that's one of my focus oh. pieces. The other piece that I did, I created recently for the show is called the um, the black pe- the colored uh, swimming pool, and which was like a pond, you know. And mm-hmm. so that's just to remind people that this is what we had to do. We, and, you know, I know people in my, who were in school with me drowned because they did not have a pool. They went to swim in the in pond, the pond yeah. and, and, they, and they couldn't swim. And, you know, that too troubles me because a lot of young black people and myself in my generation, we, people do not know how to swim because we never had access to swimming pools or, you know, and, and we were afraid to go to the pond. Mm-hmm. So... That part of our history is still uh, like a cultural memory mm-hmm. and a, a generational memory that harms us because then you, when you do get the opportunity, you say, oh, it looks easy, I can do it, and you can't. Yeah. And people drown. And so I think it's very important that we recognize what has happened when you, when you create a rule or something in history or in life. It, it goes on for generations. Yeah. It doesn't end. It didn't end when they finally 
uh, stop. You know, well, they closed the pool, yeah. and then they opened up pools all over. You know, re- you know, uh, I would say within my lifetime, they opened up so that there's the pools are integrated. Mm-hmm. But the memory, the, the memory is still there, the, and yeah. and the the lack of ability because of this. Well, what you, st- you still have an entire generation that doesn't know how to swim because True. they were never given that opportunity. Given so it's the not their history; it's still their present. It's their present, and Very they and you know the fear of water. Yeah. Because we didn't have that as a child, and that you know that always troubles me. And, I, and even in my community, I'm from Geismar, and you know there's such a lack there. There's no uh, why. There's no uh, community center where we can you know go for children to have access to to swimming, mm-hmm. to swim lessons, and so forth. So that's one of my my trouble troubling things that I hope in my lifetime to address. <laughs> But uh, yeah. I just feel it's very important for every community to address that issue because otherwise we're losing children and we are stifling talent because who knows what could have been yeah. if they had had the opportunity. We also live in a state that floods. True. We are, we are one of the things that we learned in researching this show and, and preparing for it was that Louisiana is the number one state in the country uh, in the contiguous 48, I should say, number one in the contiguous 48 for drowning yeah, deaths, which was, you know, surprising given, you know, when you think about a state like Florida and the amount of coastline they have yeah. or the lakes that you might encounter in Michigan or in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But Louisiana is number one when it comes to drowning deaths. Um, and when you speak nationally to, to Malika's point about kind of the legacy of this lack of access, um, a black child in the United States is five and a half times more likely to die from a drowning incident than their white peers, mm. which, is, which again, directly ties back to an entire generation or more not having access to safe swimming uh, places, not having access to safe swimming lessons. And, and luckily, a lot of work is being done now um, yeah. to, to fix that, to correct that. Breck, you know, offers free swimming lessons as of 2019 and... and uh, the work that they're doing in the community, the work that organizations like Tank Proof and others, mm-hmm. um, but it is it is still the reality, nonetheless. It, yeah, it is. It's a sad one. Mm-hmm. I used to teach swimming lessons, and, oh. and I remember teaching a mother who was so afraid of water that she would only put like three inches in the bathtub. Yeah, and wow. I, I know that feeling of how good I felt when I had her swimming at the end of two Aww. weeks. Yeah. When you, yeah. Once you got that face in the water, it was like, woohoo. <laughs> <That's laughs> real but she progress. Had, she had four kids, and she wanted to be able to take them to a pool and let because they love the water. Hmm. So she, but yeah, so that was a, being able to break that cycle is so important. Yep. So Very important. Yep. Okay, so first Wednesday. Yep. Coming up. This coming Wednesday, the 5th? Yep, July 5th from 6 to 9. It's like every first Wednesday, free and open to the public. Uh, We'll have complimentary drinks, uh, some small bites. But this one will be really special in that we've got some some remarks being made as well. So uh, in addition to, you know, kind of the three organizations that are spearheading this effort, uh, Baton Rouge Gallery, Dialogue on Race, and Breck, we'll also, uh, everybody will get the chance to hear directly from the exhibition curator, Janelle Logan, who will be in town for the opening, as well as four-time Olympian Cullen Jones, who is a black man uh, who has gone on to be a four-time Olympic medalist uh, in swimming. Uh, he almost drowned as a child, and so his mom put him in a pool and said, we're not going to have this problem. Uh, you're going to learn how to swim. 
and not only did he learn how to swim, but went on <laughs> he to learned how to swim pretty good. And now, and now he now he he medaled in the 2008 and 2012 games, and now as he's kind of transitioned, you know, not entirely away from the pool, but but less from Olympic competition, let's mm-hmm. say, um, he works to get kids in pools, and especially in in underserved and and historically excluded communities, uh, he wants to get kids in pools so that those statistics we talked about earlier are not the case anymore. Um, so he's going to come and speak during the first Wednesday and, and hopefully kind of make those connections between what happened in 1963 and why that is an important story for us to be aware of and know about 60 years later. Okay. So that's so. what else is on your agenda? I know y'all have got a whole, it's a month-long exhibit. We do, yeah. Like and, I said, this is... lots of stuff going on. Yeah, this is, so. a, this is literally years in the making. So we've had time to plan a few, a few <laughs> things. Um, actually, the next day... Uh, Colin Jones is going to be getting in the water with kids at Liberty Lagoon and at Brooks Pool. Uh, Brooks Pool being the pool that is right next to McKinley Middle that was built in 1947 as an answer to uh, the City Park Pool. Uh, Brooks Pool was built by Black Philanthropy um, and what was at the time called the United Negro Recreation Association. Um, So Brooks Pool has a big, big part of this story and it is uh, really exciting, I guess, that that Cullen is going to come to help be part of this story and then get in the water with kids in Brooks pool. Um, there's some power in that. Uh, we've also got on Sunday the 9th, we've got a talk with, uh, the curator Janelle Logan, as well as some of the artists who are in the show. That's at four o'clock also free and open to the public. We've got a film screening at the Capitol park museum of Baton Rouge's troubled waters, the 2008 LPB documentary, um, we've got uh, we've got a number of other things, and certainly it's all on our website. But the other big big event that we want to mention is on July twenty second, which will be literally the night uh, the the swim in actually happened on July twenty third, nineteen sixty three. So presumably the evening of July twenty second, everybody might have been gathered together, planning, thinking about how they were going to approach the actual demonstration. And so the night of January 22nd, 2023, actually out on the lawn that is behind the gallery where the pool once stood, we're going to have a commemoration event where folks will be able to come and hear stories and memories from the swim in. Um, we'll hear a, uh, an original poem that was commissioned specifically for And We Went from Chancellor Zero Skidmore. Um, we'll also hear from the founders of Tank Proof, which is a nonprofit organization that was started uh, in Gonzales, Louisiana, just I don't know, 20 miles or so from us, mm-hmm. um, specifically to teach swimming lessons for free. Um, so there is a lot going on uh, the night of the 22nd that is also free and open to the public. It should be a wonderful evening, and hopefully wow. people can come and join us. So i got to say, you guys should be very proud of what, you're, what you have accomplished here. We're hoping to be. Yeah. We'll we'll we we'll, we'll take the chance to be proud once we once we get people to come <laughs> and see this July. show. Well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. how can people get some information? What's your website? BatonRougeGallery.org. dot org. Okay. And and right when you uh, if you log in on if you log in on to that web page, you'll see a banner at the top that says uh, "Coming in July," and we went. And where we you can went. click there for plenty of information. Yeah, and and while there, actually, you can also get a full rundown of the history of the swim in and the circumstances yeah. around it. So um, hopefully everything you could possibly need to, to come into that show uh, with some backstory and some understanding is there if you want to do it. Or you can just walk in and, and you know, learn the story there. Yeah, I know when they merged City Park and Brooks Park, yeah. there was a lot. At first, they were not planning to save the Brooks Park. That's the, right. The pool. Mm-hmm. They were going to do away with it. And I know there was a big outcry and 
the historical significance of that to the black community. No question. Kind of saved it. Well, and, and, and Malika's story about somebody dying because they didn't have safe options, one of the people that you'll hear from on the 22nd, Theda Martinez, her brother died at the age of 16 swimming in City Park Lake um, because they, there were not safe swimming options. And, and you know, just what, four or five years later, Brooks Park Pool was available. Yeah. And that, you know, perhaps Frank, you know, or or let me put it this way, other kids did not drown in City Park Lake because Brooks Pool was available to them. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that Brooks Pool had to be made available to them in the sense that they should have had other swimming options as well, obviously. Yeah. But Brooks Pool was an important important part of, of Baton Rouge and is an important part of Baton Rouge. Yeah. has has definite definite part of the fabric of the community mm-hmm. okay guys well thank you very much we hope you will join us wednesday yes for the for the first wednesday opening of this magnificent exhibit uh it's a uh not necessarily a, a bright spot in baton rouge's history but uh, hopefully we can take a take a page from that and go forward to much better things that's right all right guys thank you so much thank you and we thank appreciate you, you joining us here for ac 23 and we hope you'll join us again next sunday